Hello everyone! My name is Christopher. I use these them and he him pronouns. My name is Judah. I use they slash them. And once again, we're here with everybody. Um, I sound exasperated because, oh my god, technical nightmare. But that's neither here nor there. We're going to... I'm not going to be on camera today because we don't have enough chairs or microphones. So we're just going to go around the room, introduce everybody. Yep. And our topic today is going to be culture, mm -hmm. queer culture. And it's going to be a silly little funny little gift gaff of an episode. Hopefully. Hopefully. Love yes. A little gift gaff of an episode. Um, so we can start in booth number one. If you guys want to go down the line, introduce yourselves, and then we'll go in here and then we'll get started. Hello, I'm Lily, and I use any pronouns. My name's Christine, and I use they, them. My name's Lorelei, and I use they, them. Hey, my name's Kelly, and I use she, her pronouns. And my name's JQ, and you can use she, her pronouns for me. Yeah, so queer culture. Uh, today, I'm leading the discussion. Discussion, I guess, in quotations. Um, the festival. <laughs> today, we're going to be talking about queer culture, everything that we deem as queer culture. It might not be super serious. It might be actually serious. Like It might actually, actually be queer culture and not just something that the internet deems as queer culture. Um, but yes, anyways. So, does anyone want to start us off with things that they think are queer culture? Can I just mention that, like, Three of us came in today with jean jackets. Like Lily has a jean jacket. True. It's not working right so now. True. But, yeah. Jean jackets are so good though. Jean jacket cameo on the camera. <laughs> true. <laughs> yes. I think denim and corduroy in general, queer culture. For sure. I have two corduroy um overalls from I think Aerie or American Eagle that like joint it's a joint brand so it's both it's all under american eagle but i have two quarter overalls they're very loose fitting i kind of like them a lot i haven't worn them because i've been i don't know actually there hasn't really been a reason as to why i'm avoiding wearing them but you know i do have a lot of corduroy i do want to get a jean jacket we were talking in the office earlier about making outright patches for graduating men oh members for the sashes for the oh sashes um, but I said um, that we should, I was going to take an extra one because I would put it on like a jean jacket or something. Um, I have a black jeans jacket and despite never wearing it, I love it very much. And I have a patch that I got from my grandma that's actually a rainbow, but it's not gay. It's an off-color rainbow. And in very small font, it says, it's a great day for yarn. <laughs> <laughs> She got it from Hobby Lobby and so was like, oh, cute. this is for you. And I love it. And she didn't think it was gay, but I think it's gay. So if it's from Hobby Lobby, it's definitely not. Hobby Lobby to didn't be think fair, it was gay, but to I be fair, it was gay. knitting and like crocheting are very queer hobbies. Mm -hmm. Um, like most I've tried to learn how to crochet. I haven't gotten the hang of it yet. It's okay, I will get it eventually. Um, I'm determined to because I want to. It's just hard. Um, but yeah, I think most queer, I think we were talking about that the other day. I can't remember if it was in a meeting or not. Yeah, somebody had mentioned crocheting and knitting. And <laughs> someone like mentioned granny, granny hobbies. hobbies. Yeah. Which included yeah, like reading, reading books. books. Hello? <laughs> <laughs> um, Based. I love feeling like a grandma while I'm reading a book. See, I only read ebooks because I'm like a cool grandma uh, who doesn't like carrying books around. Do you read it on a Kindle or an no, iPad? No, Libby. 
Oh, I what? love Libby. Oh my god. Libby Shout out to Libby for real. Okay, I can't feel like Libby Libby's queer culture friend. because I share a library card with my dad who also uses Libby. <laughs> but like emotionally, when I use Libby, it's because it's queer culture. Yeah, Libby. Libby is really good, actually. Shout out to Libby. Libby, in case people aren't aware, is an app where you can put in your library card and access like a bunch of books um, through your library, ebooks through your library. It's free. You don't have to pay for a library card, I don't think. There's an um, LA Public Library in Westwood. Yes, there is a public branch in Westwood. If you're interested, go get a library card and go on Libby because you'll save the hassle on buying books. Because book buying is expensive. And book piracy um, is, like, more unethical than movie piracy, in my opinion. I'm indifferent <laughs> on book piracy. <laughs> um, because I believe knowledge should not no, be... No, I know what you mean. I, I, I'm indifferent on piracy takes, mostly because I just don't believe piracy is real. Um, but that's just me. Again, Libby is a very good ethical way of getting free books. Um, if... I feel like the more we say it, the more it sounds like it's shady, though. I... Libby's extremely <laughs> non-shady. Yeah, Libby's not shady. Libby's not shady. It's, Libby it's 100% is legal. angelic. Um, I have three library cards with Libby. You're not supposed to do that, but I do. <laughs> Dang, we're that's... in the system, JQ. Yeah. I know, you're talking about book piracy? You have three different library cards. Yeah. I have two cards on Libby. I love the government. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, the Libby... Really good app. Sorry, we're not sponsored, so we should probably get. Actually, yeah, they don't this episode sponsor is sponsored by, by Libby. Yeah. Um, um, audiobooks. I don't like audiobooks. I don't. Okay, but speaking of books, like, I feel like a lot of queer people have a fascination with, like, the paranormal, supernatural, you know, all of that jazz. I feel like most people I knew who read Twilight when they were, like, a teenager turned out to be, like, queer. Even though Stephanie Meyer is definitely homophobic. Yeah, definitely homophobic and definitely weird. I feel like a lot of people latched on to Twilight as like a beacon. Judah, of... I can confirm. Yeah. Because it's just like the That's werewolves so of the vampires. They just do something, I guess. Do you want to hear a piece of cursed knowledge? Yeah. Please. Edward is Jesus. So, so Judah told me that earlier and psychic damage, like my brain chemistry will never be the same. Yeah, sorry. It's fun. I I, I, I do love Twilight ironically. It's an ironic fandom now, I guess. Um, I'm not like super into it as I probably was maybe in like middle school. Um, but yeah, I do think a lot of people who are queer tend to like find themselves fascinated with the paranormal. That's why a lot of people who were in, like, creepypasta as, like, a fandom <laughs> back in, like, 2012 ended up being, like, queer somehow. So um, real. Yeah, it was a not, huge... That was not that fair because I... Books ...to go to sleep in middle school, like, creepypastas. <laughs> like, I not, like, to... reading books. Like, just straight-up people reading the like what are the major titles like from way back then jack the killer laughing jack uh yeah like eyeless jack slender man was like the biggest one i think toothless oh, jack yeah. smile dog Earless oh smile jack. dog that's true too smile <laughs> dog bent drowned harold yeah, brine 
Um, there's a lot. Sorry, I was um, I was it. I don't like to admit this to like the public, and I guess I'm admitting it now. Sorry, this is on public radio. Sorry. Actually, um, we're moralizing this for so, all time. I used to be super into pasta. I was like dead ass a pasta set. Like I would call myself that in my bios. <gasps> it was a pasta what? Pasta Zet. That was what you would call yourself if you were in the Creepy Pasta fandom. Like a cadet, right? It's Zet. I think I like Creepy Pasta cadet. I guess. I don't know. I don't. Yeah, I actually, don't remember. That's like the <laughs> army. What the ranking? I don't Bro, remember. I'm a sergeant. <laughs> <laughs> but me and my twin used to have a long running ask series on Wattpad. No. Oh, oh not that. Yes, that was Creepy Pasta centered. I've only met one person in real life that has read it. You met someone in real life yes, who read who read it and they were like, that was you. And I was like, yes, that was me. I can't. <laughs> what can't did that anymore. feel like? Embarrassing. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> you would think that you'd be like, oh shit, somebody remembers my Wattpad days? And it's like, no. I don't I just the mention of the word Wattpad. When I was like eleven, here's me being equally cringe. Um I had a fanfiction.net account mm. that I used to post, um, I would write poems about warrior cats. Yes! The cat that the poem was about. Oh, that's cute. If I had to meet someone in real life who had read one of my cat poems, I think like cat I would poem. either I would have to go or they would. Yeah, no. I mean like I agree. Like I'm warrior so cats true. is another I feel like queer. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, those cats are gay. Thing. Those those cats, like everybody that I met that was into warrior cats is probably gay now. Me too. Yeah. Like warrior cats is definitely another thing too. But I don't know, like there's so many books that you can say were like queer culture. Harry Potter for the longest time. Was, Percy like, Jackson. Percy Jackson. Percy Jackson. Um what's another big one? Warrior Cats, Twilight. Oh, no. No. no, Hunger Games. No. The Hunger We're Games is another one. Divergent. Uh, the Hunger Games. The Hunger Games. I didn't know that. I, yeah, I. That's a new culture. <laughs> I, I, we were discussing this. I'm not very cultured in queer culture yet. I'm like a new, new queer. All um, I do is talk to gay people online. Well, to be fair, I think a lot of people's first um, references to gayness, I guess, is through fan fiction. Yes. Yeah, like I for a lot of people, oh, yeah. it was through fan fiction. For oh, me, yeah. it was through fan fiction. Harry Potter fan fiction. Not oh, Harry can Potter I say something? Yes. My yeah, for me, the very first, I I guess like like that something I read that I can remember was gay was a Soul Eater slash fan fiction. Oh, oh you're God, so like, real for that. Yeah, though. on fanfiction.net. Like you're so, so real for so that. Real. Yeah. I, I can... <laughs> um. Yeah, but like fan fiction was definitely my first exposure to queerness. Um, definitely, I feel like for a lot of people, especially a lot of like millennials, I guess. Not because we're not like Gen Z, but we're not like millennials either. It's really weird. It's a really weird oh, space so to Gen be Z. in. JQ, are you Gen Z? I'm so Gen Z. I think so. Born in two thousand four. So Gen Z cutoff. It's like sorry, not Gen Z cutoff. Like Gen Gen Zennial cutoff. Gen Zennial. The cutoff is from 1997 to like 2001. Oh, that's like me. that's like that weird 2001, 2002 <laughs> maybe 2003. No, 
No, 2002. Two, so it's 1997 to like 2002. I used to always think I was a millennial until like a few years ago yeah. when Gen Z became a popular term. Yeah. I think um, if your high school experience was interrupted by COVID, you were not a millennial. Yes. Yes. You heard it here first, folks. If your high school um, experience was not interrupted by COVID, you're probably a millennial. Or um, like a millennial. Oh. Or a millennial. <laughs> Um, or Gen Y, or Gen Y, or Gen. There's so many Gens. Okay. Or you're like Ruby so and Sapphire. Okay, but can we talk? So this, can we talk about how gay the eighties was? Like were they? in general. Yes. So sorry, I'm just talking about culture, and I oh, swear it's gonna come. Then. It's gonna come back to this. So if you notice the fashion in a lot of like eighties movies and eighties films, it's very like puffy uh sometimes it'd be like cyber futuristic and shit um there's a lot of homoeroticism in movies men wearing crop tops and daisy dudes yes exactly exactly <laughs> men wearing daisy dudes and crop, crop tops oh, God, and like, being homophobic <laughs> are you a real man if you haven't worn a daisy dude in a crop top let's be honest i'm kidding i'm completely joking i love 80s short shorts <laughs> yes yes i just, just i feel like I'm gonna sound like a boomer here. I do feel like people dress better in the eighties. At least you in terms of like men. They dress better in the eighties. Back 80s. in my day. I just miss Hey, look, I miss waistcoats, so like <laughs> I I miss like the experiments with like gender, low-key experiments with gender that men were doing in the eighties. And we don't see that now. You know what I mean? Although I know that the eighty like eighties fashion comes back. Eighties fashion comes back into style like every now and again he was in style last year but then i think now it like switched to something else it's not y2k i don't understand fashion trends which i think is really um gay of me but is it everyone's like i I truly i don't understand how people know what's fashionable how do you do it by pattern recognition have any of you have you seen the movie? I'm What's it called? Chris. The Devil Wears Prada. Oh yeah. There's that scene where Meryl Streep is lecturing um Anne Hathaway. Anne Hathaway. Thank you. Anne Hathaway about like fashion because mm-hmm. she like Anne Hathaway character, like her name's Andy. She's like Andy's like, I don't get fashion. No, she laughs. She laughs. In the scene she laughs after like like Meryl Streep's character. What's her name? I can't remember. Her it doesn't matter. Meryl Streep. I'm going to call her Meryl, Meryl Streep. <laughs> Meryl Streep was like, like fighting with like the other guy about like different types of cerulean or something. And like he laughs in the back. Like Andy laughs because she thinks it's funny. It is. The cerulean top scene. Yes, the cerulean yeah. top scene. It's a tough call. They're so different. Mmm. Something funny? No. No, 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 nothing's, you know, it's just that both those belts look exactly the same to me, you know, I'm still learning about this stuff and, uh... This stuff? Oh, okay, I see. You think this has nothing to do with you. You go to your closet and you select, I don't know, that lumpy blue sweater, for instance, because you're trying to tell the world that you 
take yourself too seriously to care about what you put on your back, but what you don't know is that that sweater is not just blue, it's not turquoise, it's not lapis, it's actually cerulean. And you're also blithely unaware of the fact that in 2002, Oscar de la Renta did a collection of cerulean gowns, and then I think it was Yves Saint Laurent, wasn't it, who showed cerulean military jackets? I think we need a jacket here. Mm. And then cerulean quickly showed up in the collections of eight different designers. And then it uh, filtered down through the department stores and then trickled on down into some tragic casual corner where you no doubt fished it out of some clearance bin. However, that blue represents millions of dollars and countless jobs. And it's sort of comical how you think that you've made a choice that exempts you from the fashion industry when in fact you're wearing a sweater that was selected for you by the people in this room. And so Andy laughs and then Meryl Streep is like, he like kind of gags her. I'm not gonna lie. Like this is like Meryl Streep is like that top you're wearing was decided by us. Like and then like Andy like just stays silent after like Meryl Streep lectures her for like a good minute. Like I was like oh my god, because it's true though. Like a lot of like fashion fashion does I think fashion houses in them in and of themselves are also like queer culture as well. Um, the ballroom scene in the eighties and nineties was created by queer people for other queer people. Um, voguing, walking, all of those types of like dance styles, you know, that came out of ballroom. Again, were based in like this kind of like fashion, based under this like fashion lens, right? That's why you have categories in ballroom competitions. That's why you have categories in like drag race. I think more people can see, I don't think most people go to like ballroom like competitions, but they'll go to like they'll see like drag race. That's why you have categories. And that's why like, oh, the category is blank. And it's out of like that culture of ballroom and like fashion because that used to be a giant area where a bunch of people who were into fashion could congregate and also like dress up and show off their own um their own clothing, their own style. Um so yeah, I do think fashion is like a pinnacle of like queer culture for some people, not for everyone. It's like a way to express yourself. Yeah, exactly. In a way that's different from exactly. the norm. I feel like maybe I didn't explain myself well before. <laughs> I feel like there's some like hive mind out there that people understand like this is what's fashionable now. Yeah, and I'm like just like so disconnected from it. But I feel like most people don't like honestly people just wear what they want to wear and i think that's like pretty embodying of like the queer experience is just like wearing whatever um you feel like however you feel like expressing yourself that day so i don't know like personally i know that like those terms exist but i'm just like i don't necessarily have to like be religiously posted on like oh this week these colors these fabrics these whatevers are in yeah yeah clothes clothes buying is an expensive hobby anyway so like i agree with that too like i'm not when i think about like the outfits that i'm gonna wear i'm not necessarily thinking about like what's in style in terms of like what is trending right now in the fashion world i kind of think of like oh does this work for me that's gonna be comfortable um and also is it gonna look somewhat put together because i do like looking put together judah always looks put together thank you um thank you um yeah no i use i use fashion a lot to kind of like express myself um and like 
experiment with like different types of like feminine and masculine styles or endogenous styles. Um, but yeah. Yeah. Seems like fashion can be like also goes into like performance, mm -hmm. which I think really goes with our queer culture. And like people who are queer have to put on a performance in their life in general. And so fashion is a way to like subvert that and subvert gender norms and things and like express themselves more like to themselves. Yeah, I 100% agree. And speaking of fashion, I think most subculture is queer, like subcultural fashions, like alternative punk. Um, I love punk yeah. fashion so much. Punk is good. Um, I feel like all of that is inherently queer. Um, Obviously, it's not as, like, like, there's different types of, like, styles of goth, too. Like, there's whimsy goth, there's pastel goth, there's trad goth, there's... Actually, uh, I will say, I feel like Lolita culture in Japan is also very tied into that. Um, oh, yeah. Someone can yell at me on the internet I if I'm wrong about this. But I feel like the origins of Lolita culture were intentionally, like, being unappealing and, like, dressing how you want to dress, even if that, like, looks childish or very like atypical from the norm uh which i feel like is a really interesting expression of like a rejection of mainstream fashion and also i feel like it ties very well into not being straight yeah i think a lot of queer people do want to kind of reject that idea of like cis heterosexuality that's kind of like posited as like the absolute like absolute perfection you know like you need to have you need to dress like a traditional like woman or man and you need to have like the nuclear family with like the two parents and the two kids um obviously like it's more expensive and also just not attainable as the years go on because this doesn't make any sense but um also i feel like a lot of people look to that as kind of like a way or like look against that to express their queerness because that's what queerness is i think it's intrinsically opposite to that kind of nuclear family ideal there there's obviously a huge push for a lot of queer people to assimilate into the main culture assimilate into what is this white straight you know like families or um society like you have people who are posited as like that is that is what a queer person should be right like pete Buttigieg is like a good really good example <laughs> I hate the man, um, because he's a horrid person. Didn't he say that he was, or he would have not been gay? Yes, yes, he husband? said yes. He what said he so. Say? So at a debate, uh, back in during the the primaries, there was a big debate, and he said in front of his husband, who was there at the debate, he said, "I if if I had a choice, I wouldn't have married my husband." I, that would have been divorce That's for me. Cool. Yeah. Like, I would have like, filed damn. that. The next day I would have filed. But, um, you know, and there was a picture today that that was released, too. And I guess him, people to judge and his husband had children to a surrogate. And there was a picture of them holding the children together. I should clarify. It's not that I don't think queer people should not have kids. That's not my point. My point is that, like, wow, my point is that, like, that should not be the that should not be the goal 
right? To I look, know what you mean. Yeah. Like to look like the the nuclear family. Yeah, it's saying like, look, like we can be exactly like you. Yeah, exactly, us. exactly. That's thank you, Kelly. Yeah, instead of insisting on acceptance as is. Yeah, yeah exactly. I think Pete Buttigieg forgets that he can't respectability politics his way out of homophobia. Yeah. <laughs> Again, divorced hair. That would have been really. I thought he was just a politician. It so he so he was a mayor of like small town mayor of like Indiana, yeah. but like. The first, like he was like the first gay mayor or something, and that was like his like dick. But then you look at his history of may of being like a mayor, and it's like horrendous. So, anyways. So, just, so yes, he's just a politician. Yes, he's literally yeah, a politician. But yeah, I mean, like we have this push against trans people, against queer people. The sodomy laws have come back into fashion in terms of like politics. Um. You know, there's there's definitely a conversation to be had about the way queer people, or I guess in this case, Pete Buttigieg and his ilk could like pot like posit queerness as something that needs to be assimilated to, or not needs to be assimilated, but something that can be uh, suppressed through like becoming like the nuclear family. But I think that like like I said earlier, like queer pe as queer people were intrinsically never going to achieve that so why play the role you know because mm -hmm. i regard at the end of the day pete conservatives and homophobes alike are gonna like condemn pete Buttigieg to the same place yeah. that they condemn us yeah there's never enough respectability exactly yeah yeah um but yeah <laughs> sorry deep conversation there um <laughs> Let's move on to something lighter. Queer culture is stressing many times over the fate of Lawrence v. Texas. Like, yeah. a, like a lot. Uh, queer culture is looking up Supreme Court cases to see if you have rights. Yeah. Uh, Woo! Uh, Love that. Um, but, hmm. yeah, let's bring it to yeah. something lighter. No, we have some more fun things to talk about. Flannels <laughs> or something. I don't know. Oh, I love flannels. You know what else I love? 2003 court case, Lawrence v. Texas. <laughs> um, no, actually, I was thinking about what Jitter was saying, and it kind of reminds me of, like, the whole neo-pronoun thing, how there's people who are very, like, oh, you can't use neo-pronouns because that's weird. Like, you have to use either he or him or they, and if you use anything else, then you're just, like, making stuff up. Um, but ultimately, like, if they don't want to respect your pronouns, they're not going to respect them. <laughs> like, it does not matter what you... Yeah, I mean, even they gets even locked into, like, the neo-pronoun and, like, debate, right? Like, a lot of people are like, oh, you should only use she or, or uh, he. And they is, like, kind of, like... Like, because they're, like, there'll be tweets that are like, oh, I accept they, but I won't do all of this. But even then, they're not actually accepting they because it, there's, like, conditions to that. Like, there's always, and I feel like for pronouns in general, there's always conditions for people to respect their pronouns. Like, there's a huge conversation about, you know, like, if a trans person does something that's bad or, like, something that their pronouns are no longer valid, right? Like, they're going to use, they'll, like, be cruel and, like, dehumanize this person for, like, the smallest of transgressions. Um, I feel like. I feel like with neo-pronouns especially, there's also, at least with, like, when it's other queer people saying it, I feel like a lot of times there's this undertone of, like, 
oh, you're making the community like look bad. Like if it weren't for you using neo pronouns, like maybe people would be less homophobic and transphobic. Mm, sorry, guys. Yeah. It's my fault. It's- <laughs> <laughs> well, that was the whole argument with the LGB alliance, right? Like their whole entire shtick when they first came out was that like <laughs> well when they first like Wait, came out- Judah, can you explain what that is? So the LGB Alliance is this group that aims to cut out the T in LGBT. So they call themselves the LGB everyone Alliance. everyone knows you can't be gay and trans. Exactly. Impossible. Mutually um, exclusive. So their whole entire thing was cutting out the T. And mm-hmm. when they first came out as an org, I think people were taking a lot of it in good faith. Um, there were people who were skeptical, as they rightfully should have, because it ended up being like a front for transphobia. Um, what else would it be? I don't <laughs> know. I think there were some people who were like genuinely like oh maybe like i don't know I, I don't know what the argument would be for taking it in good faith i didn't take it in good faith i was like yeah these people are probably like hella transphobic um again there are like some things where i'm like this is like a red lgb alliance is definitely like a red flag if you see anything that says like lgb only like that's red flag red flag like number one uh that flag is the color of like marinara sauce it's just so red um <laughs> But yeah, so they had come out in the scene. Uh, I can't remember because they're near the new. They're not old, like they're not from, mm-hmm. like they're a fairly new org, and they came out to specifically organize against transphobes um, because they believe only lesbians, gays, and bisexuals should have rights, even though trans people can be lesbian, gay, or bisexual. Strange. Um, I don't know why we're still having the conversation of like sexuality and gender or like linked and by that i mean like people who think that trans people cannot be like lesbian or gay or bisexual like they think that that's like their only identity is being trans well it's like once you become trans like the rest of your humanity no longer counts i guess yeah and it's yeah um i forgot where this conversation is going what were we talking about oh right neo pronouns all neo pronoun thing um, yeah, but I think also like neo pronouns themselves have a really interesting culture around it as like surrounding it as well. Um, there's Tumblr for the longest time. There was I don't know if if the neo pronoun scene is as active on Tumblr as it had been. Um, but they had created like their own pride flags, mm-hmm. their own communities. I remember that. Like that's. They were, like, creating, like, art and stuff for themselves. Like, that's awesome. And the fact that, like, people wanted to suppress that is, like, really sad to me. Like, especially... I know I'm not in this episode, (laughs) but as the resident neo-pronoun user, I have an opinion. I do want to mention, uh, neo-pronouns have been around in the cultural zeitgeist of the queer community since, like, the 70s and 80s is the peak of them. My personal pronouns, Zizem, were coined in the 70s um, by genderqueer people. And... I agree. It's good. Uh, read, there's going to be an article in the print about um, work by Leslie Feinberg, who uses uh, Z here pronouns. So don't read our magazine if you hate people who use neo pronouns. Especially don't, because I run it. Also, like, some of them are like, really like, like pleasing. Like, Faye Fair? Hell yeah. Oh my god, I fuck with Faye Fair. Heavy. <laughs> Why can't this be like the default pronoun? I was like, oh, Faye Fair. Oh, that one is. Ooh, that one. That one has some. Oh my god, I have a friend to it. who uses um rad rads pronouns, uh-huh. and like 
I'm obsessed with rad. I've never like, heard that before. But they're such good pronouns. That's really cool. I'm it's like, rad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah. I guess, yeah, Nisonio pronouns are intrinsically queer. Um, they are queer culture. Um, I think we're going to see, I feel like once, I feel like there was a golden era of, like, I feel like the neo-pronoun debate, debate in quotations, because it feels weird calling it that, because people deserve to be treated with respect and humanity, no matter what pronouns they use. Um, hot take, Judah. <laughs> I know, apparently that's like a super hot take. Yeah, school districts don't agree. Yeah, yo, being nice to people, say, what's up with that? Please debate for your um, rights. Um, <laughs> like, I think there was an era where people were, like, more accepting of it. And I think it would have expanded our, like, ideas of, like, gender. And we wouldn't have to keep having the same conversation about gender binaries and gender trinaries because Not there would the be... gender trinary. And I say, yeah, because non-binary, so non-binary is becoming, like, a third, a third, like, category i guess in the binary which is not horrible but also it's like does defeat the point it defeats the purpose of being like non-binary right because to be non-binary you're kind of above these like categories yeah like i read something today on like um a person identifying non-binary and that being kind of like their sign that they're like a i think the word that they use is like a wild card Mm -hmm. where um like non-binary just means anything existing outside of the non-binary, I mean the binary spectrum. So it's like for it's not a zero point five out of like a zero to like one scale. Like yeah. The negative numbers, the infinite numbers, <laughs> be everything else. Um. So yeah, like the gender binary. I didn't even know that that was a term, but that's. Yeah, I've never heard of that before. <laughs> I think like well, to be fair, like that notion of non-binary is very not what you would like not what like i would use non-binary as like that that notion of non-binary in the trinary usually revolves around a very cis-centered white-centered rich-centered definition of like non-binary right like you have like i think when people hear non-binary and somebody wrote an article about this in our um sabrina yes sabrina wrote an article about this about how non-binary has become synonymous with whiteness or with you know with a certain like you have the white skinny queer looking person that loves mushrooms and frogs well sorry even the identity (laughs) even the idea of like queer looking is so tied up in so many other concepts Yeah. yeah um but this like we can talk about cottagecore and frogs and how that like goes back to like queer culture but that's not the point the point is is that like you have this like image in your head of somebody who is non-binary and so like you can't think of another image in your head like i'm non-binary people don't typically think of me when they think of non-binary um because a non-binary person in their head cannot be brown you know um yeah, it's like, um, you know how in some spaces it's like women and non-binary people? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> oh, oh my god, man. I literally hate that. Okay. <laughs> so, the number of places I have to go for a job that, like, market their, like, events as, like, 
catered towards women and non-binary people Mm -hmm. and they either just don't have any like workshop centered towards like talking or like providing that sort of like space to like discuss like those like classes but also like I don't know like just because you're like holding a woman specific or like a minoritized event doesn't mean that you're like automatically inclusive like all different genders and I just like wish that more people not only like acknowledge that but also like acted on like okay so like you're doing that what can you do better because people will be like oh I don't really know like um how to better support like um other genders and like sure valid but like the onus of like research on like what you could be doing better like falls on you ultimately right yeah i've noticed that in a lot of like (laughs) professional organizations the whole woman and non-binary thing they say women and non-men that always gets me that's always a red flag to me (laughs) and i say it's a red flag because a lot of trans women and trans femme non-binary folks who are amab have specifically said that they're not allowed in those spaces those spaces don't hold space for them because they only mean cis women and AFAB folk. They don't mean AMAB folk. They're not mm-hmm. talking to those people. Um, and it's unfortunate because obviously trans women are women. Like, they deserve a space to talk about their femininity um, and their experiences with patriarchy just as much as cis women do um, because there's a lot of overlap there. Um, so yeah, definitely like that's definitely there's always been like a red flag to me when I always see like the the um the like it's a space only for women and non-men because it usually means they're only they only talk about like AFAB folks and they're not talking about trans women or trans femme non-binary folks. Another deep topic. Another deep topic. So, <laughs> I, I was walking to class the other day and there was someone who was doing like a women's rights thing and uh like a pro-choice thing which i do approve of but then almost as like yeah okay uh but then almost as an aside they were like stop using like dehumanizing language for women like stop saying pregnant people or like stop saying menstruators and it's uh, especially menstruators gets me because like hello have you heard of menopause (laughs) like what i when people are like, just say women instead of menstruators, it's like, hello, many women don't menstruate. You don't even need to talk about trans people. You just need to remember that women over like 50 exist. Yeah. <laughs> and then you can go back to being transphobic, I guess. <laughs> but like, that's like my whole thing, though. Like the fight for bodily autonomy is queer culture but also on that same note the fight for bodily autonomy in both the sense of like abortion and trans rights are very intertwined because it's 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 the fight for like literally the same thing to be able to do whatever you want with your body because it's your body and not it doesn't belong to anyone else um and like yeah no you're right jake you like people over the age of 50 don't menstruate and also, again, not everyone who menstruates is a woman. Not everyone who is pregnant is a woman. Not everyone who seeks abortion care is a woman. Um, there are many just... It's always, well, like, so sad, like, to always just, like, see that. It's, like, always, like, why are you dying? Why is this the hill that you're dying on? I think Cori Bush was once um, criticized super heavily for using pregnant people. 
as opposed to using women because people felt that it was dehumanizing women. Because as everyone knows, women aren't people. But then, like, my... <laughs> yeah, I was like... Yeah, why um, is saying people not human? But it's just... It's it's kind of like... So, and this is... A lot of people have been talking about how a lot of, like, gender critical... Gender critical theory has gone back to being, like... It's basically bioessentialism. Like, basing... And, like, the thing about feminism is that it started out as a movement to basically say, like, especially in the 70s when it was more militant, it started out as a movement that was, like, we're not defined by our sex. We're defined by, like, the things that we do. I mean, you can go back further than the 70s. Oh, you yeah. can go back to Sojourner Truth. <laughs> yeah, you can go back to then. Oh, yeah, there's also, like, again, a, a very difficult, there's also, like, very difficult conversations, too, because when people say women, they don't mean black women. They don't mean... Hispanic women, they don't mean Asian women, right? They mean white women. Um, it's like another thing too, and a lot of black women especially have been like, well, you don't mean us either. There was a poem, was it by Sojourner Truth too? Where she talks about how she's not afforded the same- Anti-woman. Yeah, anti-woman, yeah. Anti-woman, it's a poem that was, was written- It was a speech. It was when, a speech that was then copied down in an incredibly racist version of African-American vernacular when, in fact, Sojourner Truth grew up speaking Dutch. Yeah. Sorry, probably Pennsylvania Dutch, which is actually German. <laughs> um, anyways, an anti-woman, there was a, there's like a huge thing talking about how she's not, as a slave, she was not afforded the same womanhood as, like, white women. She was forced to be, like, a lot, especially a lot of slaves... And sorry, trigger warning for gruesome depictions of like slavery. Um, but they were forced to be um what's it called? They're forced to be breeders, essentially. Like they were forced to have children to keep the slave population going, like in terms of like work. Um to have workers to supply or slaves to supply the the system in the south the chattel slave system in the south so like every time that someone says like oh like you shouldn't use that language it's also like who are you speaking for you know like who are you talking about because what who is a woman in your eyes um i don't know Long complicated, long complicated things. Also, I have that kind of thing too, where I, I I lump myself in with women, even though I'm not a woman. I will like refer to myself as one in like passing, um, because I can't really put a name to the experiences that I have, other than those are the experiences of a woman. And it's because precisely because that's what people say. Only women experience this. Only women have experience like this that's not true obviously but you know like it's really hard to kind of get out of that like thing like I'm not a woman I wouldn't ever call myself a woman um but definitely there's that kind of like thing of just like well I also don't have any other words for it nobody has created the vocabulary yet for me to like talk about it yeah I think it's really useful for people who aren't women (laughs) like I don't know it's just the the cat the the conversation around like gender crit, gender criticism, and all of that is just so vast and so like annoying. 
Because also, no matter how much you argue with gender critics, they will, they don't care. Especially if you're trans. Yeah, especially if you're trans. Never trust like, a rad femme. Sorry. Yes, never trust a rad femme. Um, on a lighter topic. Yeah, yeah, I like time left, so let's end with something. <laughs> nice. something I like how we have like common experiences trying to carry all the grocery bags at once. It's true. <laughs> and then we're like, let's have a half an hour about dehumanization. So I really like this topic, which is like the con- trying to carry all the grocery, trying as to carry as many things as possible, tying on your dad's clothes, slash running into tie ties, etc. And then I had added this to the thing, like. Adding that to that too, taking on the traditionally like manly roles in like theater and like dance, mm-hmm. that was like a huge one. I loved like when I was doing musical theater as like a teenager, I loved doing the pants roles. I was like, my hand up was all the time. I was like, I want to do that. Let me do it. Um, I also, <laughs> I also like, I also like taking the more masculine role when it comes to like dancing, especially like pair dancing, um, like. I don't know. This is this is more for I guess the Latina folks listening. But when I like dance cumbia and all of that, like I take the traditionally like manly role. I'm the lead, um, and not the person that's like being led. So I'm the leader, not the leady. I don't know how to explain that um, because you have to actually like watch it to see like how it works. But yeah. Friends? I don't know, because, like, even though I identify as, like, non-binary, kind of leaning on trans mask, even as a trans mask, I would be a femme trans mask, so I would be a very feminine, manly person. Hey, to be fair, part of trans mask culture is ruining your body with a binder, and I don't do that, so we can just put that somewhere else. It's okay. Yeah, just to clarify, you do not have to be masculine to be transmask. You could be feminine, you could be androgynous. It does not matter because your transmaskness is defined by you. Yeah. And also requiring that people present a certain way for you to respect them is a bad. Be nice to people. Yeah. Alrighty. And it's 602 friends. We, we can end up? on that PSA from JQ. Yeah, PSA, <laughs> being mean is bad. Stop it. Actually. <laughs> okay. PSA, you should not be trying to levy criticism <laughs> on the people around you for just sort of being who they are. That's, that's, I guess JQ, you didn't tell me that. <laughs> Sorry. Of course. Okay. Well, that was a wonderful conversation. Had fun. Sitting and definitely not commenting every 15 seconds. (laughs) Um, But you can follow Outright on our social media, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and Facebook at Outright News Mag. You can also read our bi-weekly articles on our website at outrightnewsmag.org. This episode was is sponsored by our culture Libby. print that is coming out uh, in two weeks on March 13th. If you're at UCLA, you'll be able to pick up a free copy. Um, and we're going to have some locations around Los Angeles that will also carry our copies. Um, we'll try to figure out some online thing for people who are not in the area to pick up stuff. I'll put the cover up. Um, but thank you all for celebrating queer culture with us. I've been Christopher. And I've been Judah. I've been Kelly. I've been JQ. I've been Lily. And this has been Speak Out. We'll see you next week for our bisexuality episode. Goodbye, everyone.